Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our lead college football writer at SportingNews.com. Thank you to everybody listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and those watching on our CFB Nation YouTube channel. Uh, the show is brought to you by Irish Breakdown, a great source of information on Notre Dame football. Uh, Irish Breakdown. They have podcasts, they got live shows, and you can read all their good stuff at irishbreakdown.com. So, Bill, we are uh, 16 weeks until week zero, uh, and I want to hear from you that the weather is getting warmer in Columbus, Ohio at this point. Yes, we're done with the, you know, we can have summer before we can have college football. So I can, uh, you know, we finally got some nice weather going today. I got to, you know, mow the lawn yesterday. Uh, a lot of work in between. So, uh, speaking of yeah. mowing the lawn, you're like Jim Harbaugh. He likes to mow his I, own lawn, apparently. That's uh, good man. I mean, yeah, that's that's quiet time. He's probably right. That's the only time where you're not running or on the phone. And I enjoy that hour, and I take that hour. And uh, he probably takes a little longer than an hour to mow his lawn. I'm, I'm guessing it's a little bit bigger than ours. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you, he gets away from trying to run Michigan football and win a national championship. You're getting away from running uh, a teenage and middle school <laughs> youth uh, lacrosse and seven on seven football and youth softball, correct? Yes, I'm I'm on a field every night anyway. So uh, between the two kids, they do a little bit of everything. We have it that way, and um, <laughs> yeah, and then I find time to you know punch up a top twenty five for next year and uh, have people act totally reasonable about it. Exactly. All right. Yeah, let's get into that. We're going to have two little, two shorter episodes this week. Uh, first episode, we're going to focus on your uh, post-spring top 25. I, we collaborated a little bit, but I, I mm-hmm. deferred to you. You did more research than I did. Um, the, the new top 25, the post-season, uh, sorry, post-spring practice, top 25. And then episode two, we're going into our deep dive at sportingnews.com. It's kind of quarterback week. And uh, we are breaking down every quarterback situation at every Power 5 school coming out of spring. Uh, we have uh, the uh, SEC and the Big Ten have already been published. Uh, by the time this podcast is published, the ACC will be up there too. 
Uh, but all 69, 69 Power 5 teams now, Bill, um, we'll have, we will have a, a breakdown of, of how their quarterback situation looks uh, moving forward. So that'll be the episode two after this uh, one. But let's get into the post-spring, post-transfer portal window closing top 25. It's a little too wordy for a headline, but uh, that was it did come out post-transfer portal as well. As a reminder, uh, you know, you don't have to be at your new school yet, but you had to be in the portal by May 1st. Uh, so if your quarterback is still at your school, he's not leaving. Um, and we can kind of go from there. So uh, let's start. I looked at your way too early top 25 that was done in January before the national championship game, uh, before Georgia eked it out against TCU. And then uh, I looked at your post spring. I looked at some of the changes. And at the top, not too many changes. We actually still have the same four top four, the same four projected college football playoff teams. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, and I'm sure when we do bull projections, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State will probably be, I mean, even though it's two teams from each conference, there's a good chance that that could be our playoff picks. I mean, who else? You, I it, it rarely works out that way. I think last year, had we done a 12-team playoff, that probably would have been your final four. I really do. I think Alabama would have found their way through. I think Georgia would have won. I think Michigan may have not caught TCU, may have had a game before that. And then Ohio State, obviously, with the talent they have. So that's kind of, a, I, I joke with my buddies, that's kind of the coast cut and paste section of the top 25. <laughs> it doesn't really begin. I, You know, we did bump Michigan over Alabama, and we weren't the only ones to do that. A lot of publications, the other ones that have had, everybody has these, um, they, they've bumped Alabama. A couple, I saw them as low as six or seven. So, I still have faith in Alabama's talent. I just think that quarterback uncertainty between Buckner and Milrow, it's a good reason to drop them to that number three, number four. And I bet you, Bill, some people will have LSU ranked ahead of them. Yeah, I, you and I talked about it. I gave you my top ten, um, and I had Alabama at six. And I, I've got doubts, you know, maybe I'm not even sure about six. And the reason I was thinking about that was obviously – they didn't find the quarterback they were looking for in the spring because they went out shopping after spring practice was over. Neither uh, of their quarterbacks necessarily grabbed the grabbed the job when it was open. Saban said after spring, he said, we wanted to give every opportunity to the people, kids on our roster to win that job. And obviously they didn't win it to his satisfaction. And uh, they had to bring in Notre Dame's backup quarterback. Uh, and, and, you know, let's keep in mind when Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame and in a decision-making position after last season, and he saw Buckner play well in the bowl game, they went shopping for Sam Hartman to play over Buckner, essentially. Um, so I don't know that Reese is the biggest, biggest believer in, 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 uh, Tyler Buckner. Um, so, 
that makes me concerned, obviously, that the Alabama quarterback situation is unsettled coming off a season where they had the number one pick of the draft as a quarterback, at quarterback. They had a first-round running back. They had a first-round defensive end. They had tons of draft picks. And they lost twice during the regular season. They pulled out two other games by the skin of their teeth during the regular season. It was not the dominant Alabama team. And you're taking clearly the three best players off of that team. I don't know that they deserve to be up in the two, three range. But I, I tend to trust their talent. I mean, I've watched them win a national championship with Jacob Coker. I've watched them win a national championship with Jalen Hurts as a freshman who wasn't the Jalen Hurts that we see now. Like, they, right. that it was very different then. So, uh, or I, they got to the national championship with Jalen Hurts as a freshman. So, and the other thing with their schedule – Texas at home, uh, LSU at home, Tennessee at home. The games that they lost last year were on the road, and, and they've lost at home. And I think I pulled this stat out at lacrosse practice the other night trying to make a point to my boys about coming prepared. I'm pretty sure Alabama's only lost three home games since 2010. Wow. And it was two, or maybe Alabama got them, so four. Or Ole Miss got them, so like four. But I lied and said three. And some of those, but who who goes into Alabama and wins, Bill? Cam Newton, Heisman winner. Johnny Manziel, Heisman winner. Joe Burrow, Heisman winner. So I think what's going to happen, a lot of people are going to pick Texas to beat Alabama in week two. Watch it happen. And then that could be either, oh, we're right. All of these concerns are legit. Or, oh, oh yeah, Alabama's really good at football. That's going to be that week where we find out. And if... Texas does win. You put money on Quinn Ewers to win the Heisman Trophy is what it sounds like. Is yeah, I mean, if you can go in and beat him in Tuscaloosa, it doesn't happen. And then Chad Kelly got him, I think. In a, a he really, did not win the Heisman Trophy. He did not win the Heisman Trophy, but he did go into Tuscaloosa and win. So it just doesn't happen often. That's interesting. Um, that's a good little note right there. Uh, so, yeah, so let's uh, – yeah, top four. We feel like they might be a little fall off after the top four. Uh Pre-spring, you had Tennessee. Post-spring, you had LSU. Um, I like what I saw at LSU. I think I had him. There were three, two or three, when uh, I gave you my top ten. Um, you know, Jaden Daniels has been getting kind of rave reviews. The, they were smart in the transfer portal. They got Omar Space from Oregon State at linebacker to go with Harold Perkins. Um, it seems like. Things are in place for Kelly uh, in year two to, you know, he coming off a year where they beat Alabama. Uh, like I said, I feel like Bama's got some questions. The game is in Tuscaloosa, as you pointed out. But, um, yeah, I think LSU is a very solid f- uh, number five pick for us. Yeah, and with Jaden Daniels, with the development, with the talent they have on the defensive side, um, guys like Mason Smith, who will be back, uh and, and the confidence. You, you, This is not just talking season. It's talking seasons for coaches when viral stories happen when they're speaking to their boosters. So last week, Brian Kelly said, you know, I like beating Alabama, and everybody made a big deal out of it. What are they supposed to say when they're in front of their boosters? Like, that's <laughs> the point of those engagements is they talk a little bit of trash. And if you're talking to your audience, I don't know why people get bent about it. That That's part of the job of being a head coach. So – yeah, LSU's feeling it. Tennessee dropped, like you said. I 
I still like him a lot. I think a lot of it's going to hinge on Joe Milton. And I know we'll talk about that when we talk about quarterbacks, but is he the same accurate, quick read, just leader that Hendon Hooker was? And obviously he's coming off a great Orange Bowl performance, but it it definitely will be uh, interesting to see if Tennessee can build on that momentum and beat, like I said, beating Alabama on the road, different animal. Can they beat Georgia next year at home? Different animal. I mean, it would theoretically be bigger if they beat Georgia next year at home with Georgia rolling in there at 10 and 0. If they were lighting all those cigars last year, what are they going to do to Neyland Stadium if uh, they beat Georgia next year? That'd be quite a party. Yeah, I'll say. Um, yeah, so I was looking at, you know, the way too early and the post spring, and I uh, found four schools that uh, made a big move, either up or down. Um, now keep in mind, you, we submitted this, we published this the morning of the national championship. So this was prior to, um, Georgia 65 TCU seven. Uh, but, uh, TCU was actually the biggest mover. Uh, I think, uh, that game had a lot to do with it, but you can tell me, uh, TCU, they dropped eight spots. They were, uh, for at the way too early top 25, they were number eight. And now post-spring, they are 16. The NFL draft robbed a significant amount of their players uh, from last year's uh, national championship runner-up. But um, uh, Sonny Dykes, I was drawing a blank for a second. Sonny Dykes did did do a good job in the transfer portal. He's got some Alabama guys uh, coming over. Um, he's got his quarterback who beat out Max, Max Duggan last year, remember before the season. So they should be okay. Um, you know, in a lot of areas, uh, what's your take on TCU? Well, uh, if you're going to pick Texas to win the big 12, then you have, this was something you pointed out to me when you were editing. It's like, if you're going to pick Texas to win the big 12, you have to have them ahead of TCU makes sense to me. I mean, because I think Texas will be the preseason top top when they do big 12 media day, they'll be picked to win the conference. TCU will be picked second. And yeah, when, so we're going to test and see if TCU can reload. I mean, yeah, when you have eight guys taken in the NFL draft and Max Duggan was the last one, that's how talented the roster was. He had two receivers taken in the draft. You had a running back taken in the draft. That's most of your skill position talent right there. Had a couple good defensive players, including D. Winters and uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. I don't know if their program, as well as Sonny Dykes has done and, and working the transfer portal as well, I don't know if they have enough of the reloadability factor. Even though they do play in the Big 12, they could win the Big 12 again, certainly. But I think it's going to be hard to replicate what they did last year but, and I'm saying that not doesn't mean they're in the wrong direction by any means. They just got to continue building on what they had. Right. Duggan was so clutch. You know, can they get clutch quarter, quarterback play uh, two years in a row? They pulled out a lot of games, um, came from behind. So we will see. They're a fun team. They were a fun team last year. It'll be a fun team to keep keep an eye on. Uh, we touched on the next two teams who, who made a move. Tennessee uh, was a... Minus six, they went from five to 11, uh, the way too early. Uh, they were number five, and then post-spring, they're number 11. I don't think it had anything to do with spring practice necessarily. I think uh, we were caught a little bit in the Orange Bowl euphoria of how well they played against Clemson 
to get that that way too early number five. Um, what's your thoughts on Tennessee and moving them down from five to eleven? Well, and we did it, but a lot of other other publications as well. And we, to be clear, I'm as you know, I'm very bullish about we don't have to do what everybody else does. And, but I still read what everybody else does just to kind of get a sense of what they're doing. So in my opinion, after you get a, past the top four, which we talked about, and really LSU, you could lump higher into the top four. There's this class of four teams that's really getting talked about as the, the playoff sleeper, the playoff breakthrough team. And it's, and it's Penn State, mm-hmm. USC, Washington, who's actually been to the playoff. Florida State's actually been to the playoff. And then I would almost lump Notre Dame with Sam Hartman there. So that's a solid top 10. And that that six through 10, there's something to like about every team, but there's also that factor of if you're Notre Dame, okay, well, uh, I got to see you go beat Ohio State, Clemson, and uh, USC. Mm-hmm. Penn State, I've got to see you go beat Ohio State and Michigan. USC, I've got to see you play some defense at some point in, in a clutch <laughs> situation. And – Florida State and Washington, same. Like you, Washington, probably out of those four, Washington's the one that's set up. They do have to play USC and Oregon State. And then Florida State with Jordan Travis, can you beat Clemson? Because we have Clemson, what, 13? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, that's a question every year for Florida State. It's a question every year for everybody in the ACC is can you beat Clemson? And, uh, yeah, we, we had Clemson go from 14 to 13. Um, we'll, we'll uh, we take a look at my ACC quarterback rankings. I think it's going to raise some eyebrows. I actually had Clemson behind Duke. All right, like I like Riley Leonard. Um, I don't know if uh, if Cade Klubnick's got the receivers and the offensive line to thrive as some of the other uh, quarterbacks have thrived before him at Clemson. But they so, do have Garrett Riley, and that's going to be the big hire that we all watch. I mean, some of these top top. 15 teams made huge, huge coordinator hires, right? We talked about Alabama and Reese. I think Garrett Riley, though, because of Clemson and they never go outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, he had he's had three coordinators this whole time. Um, yeah. And, and two defensive coordinators. They're so built on continuity and family and those kind of things. So it was very bold of Clemson to go out and take Garrett Riley from TCU. And if Garrett Riley does for Klubnik what he did for Duggan in in a lot of ways. And it's not just the offensive coordinator. I, I, I would I'm gonna disagree with you. I, I would put Klubnik a little bit higher based on what I saw. I think the talent's there. I just think it's gonna be reps. Not that I don't like Riley Leonard, but I think I would take Klubnik ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I looked at his numbers too. I mean, they weren't great, great. Like he had a good ACC championship game for sure. Came into the Notre Dame game in a big spot, threw an interception, and they didn't put him back in. He rallied them against Syracuse, but that was more Will Shipley than anything else. Uh, Clubbing didn't really do too much against him. He flashed great talent against Georgia Tech in the opener, but that was like a you know the Clemson twos against the Georgia Tech twos when the game was out of reach. So um, we'll see. You know, right. I could be wrong. Uh, he was highly touted, obviously, great high school program and and all that. So. Um, so, all right, we talked TCU, a big mover, Tennessee, a big mover, Texas, a big mover, plus six. We moved them from 20 to 14. And, um, I was, uh, I had them, did I have put them number 10 when we were talking? If I did, if I did, uh, I had I them think- at like 11 or something like that, but like 
you talked me into them. You wrote a great story and that after their spring practice and their and their um, you know, how yours played well and they're gonna have a great offense this year and the you know, they should be the preseason favorite. And I'm like, boy, you know, you had me believing and uh that that was a big reason why they made the big jump up in our rankings. I I believe in them. I just I'm hesitant to do it because I do it all the time. Like I, I do you and everybody else, <laughs> but, but like, I know it's the running joke with, I think even sporting news, we have a template of a Texas's back type thing <laughs> that we post every time they lose. I think Jordan heck made that, but I think their offense should be elite. It, it really should. Uh, they, they, when you have to me, because the games become perimeter based matchups, when you have Worthy and Mitchell was great and you have a tight end in Jatavian Sanders, the running game, I mean, they don't have, man, if they got, if they had Bajan Robinson back on top of all of this, uh, they don't, but it'll come down to defense and close games still. And is their defense better? They have nice linebackers. I think talent wise, that's what I'm saying. You, and I've seen a couple tweets about this. Imagine the overreaction, not if Texas loses to Alabama, what if they beat Alabama? Hmm. Think about what the internet's going to look like. And they should have beat them last year. And the whole Sark angle and all that, you know. It, it's going to be – I'm going to be busy that day writing the simultaneous Texas has come back and is going to win a national title versus is Sark the next coach at Alabama. These are tomorrow's headlines today if Texas wins. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look what Sark did when he had so much talent as offensive coordinator in 2020 at Alabama, right? I mean, and and the Mac Jones team, and they had Najee Harris and and uh, and Dante uh, Smith and everything. So, like, they, um, you know, he's he has. I see people betting on Sark, talking about Sark because he knows what to do when he has the talent, and he probably has more talent this year than he did last year. Even though Robinson's gone, they'll find a running back. Um, and you know, this might be his most talented team. He has not succeeded as a head coach yet. So there's a lot of wait and see kind of there, but as an offensive coordinator with top level talent at Alabama, he put together an extremely impressive unit and they marched to the national championship. Um, last mover I want to touch on South Carolina, number 25 to number 21, not a huge jump necessarily, but, um, you know, Spencer Rattler, we'll talk a little bit about him when we go through the SEC quarterbacks. Um, you know, Shane Beamer seems to have a lot of uh, momentum here in the offseason, in the transfer portal and on the recruiting trail. Um, was was South Carolina bumping up more, just other teams slipping down, or was did you do see something this spring that you liked? No, I mean, Rattler's back, They and uh, Wells is back. They had a couple big decisions. The, had Rattler not returned, I don't know if they're ranked. Um, because, I mean, he got on a heater towards the end of the season. He was averaging, I think, between those last three games, he had like 364 yards passing, uh, just three interceptions. He made a lot of mistakes early in the season. Uh, and then second half of the season, pretty good. And we kind of predicted that last year because they played Georgia early. They had a tough schedule early. Once he settled in, they were pretty good. They have a ton of momentum. Shane Beamer's right about one thing. When they're right, when they're good, uh, williams Bryce is as tough a place to play as anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they're making enough noise that Clemson should be a little concerned, you know? So that rivalry, when I lived down in Charlotte, I told people when I moved back home, I was like, they didn't want to hear. I was like, when Clemson and South Carolina are both good, 
that rivalry is as good as any in college football because they're not even in the same conference. They hate each other. They're neighbors. Mm -hmm. It's not like Ohio State, Michigan. Like they literally live next to each other in all these towns in South Carolina. And um, yeah, I, I think it's legit. And I really like that opening week game with North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have Spencer Rattler and Drake May on the same field. That's going to be a fun one. It is. Yeah. South Carolina torched Tennessee too last year. So they, uh, they beat both the Orange Bowl participants in the latter half of the year. So they should feel like they've got some momentum carrying in to the, uh, to the 2023 season. Um, so one more thing I want to touch on uh, is this betting scandal uh, that is involving Iowa and Iowa state football players and uh, you know, where we think all oh, this is headed. It's uh on the heels of the Alabama baseball scandal where uh, coach Brad Bohanna was fired for apparently leaking info to a gambler about uh, his starting pitcher being a, a late scratch for a game. Uh, and this story, we have 25 student athletes from Iowa and 16 from Iowa state under investigation for gambling. Uh, the players are from the, the Iowa players are from baseball, football, men's basketball, wrestling, and track and field. Don't have the numbers for each. Um, Iowa State, it's football, wrestling, and track and field. The head of the Racing and Gaming Commission of Iowa uh, came out Monday night and said there's been no evidence of match or game fixing in this Iowa investigation. But rather, um, you know, the NCAA bans student-athletes from betting on every sport the NCAA supports at every level regardless of what sport you play. Uh, so, for example, a, a wrestler, I didn't know all these specific rules, a wrestler cannot bet on the NBA. It's a, like a, a college wrestler. Not only are they banned from betting on college basketball, they're betting on NBA, G League, whatever, like whatever level you can kind of find. Um, and so this Iowa-Iowa State investigation looks like it's just kids gambling, just breaking the rules. Doesn't feel like, like you said, no, no match fixing, no game fixing and, um, you know, no bribery or anything like that. So I think there's a lot of hand wring, a lot of, you know, unease and rightfully so for among college football fans. But let's, let's talk college football specifically um, that, you know, with gambling becoming legal nearly all over the country, Ohio, January 1st, you've, you know, seen it up there a little bit. Um, that the sport would be vulnerable to a, a scandal uh, and the commissioners are, are, are very nervous about uh, the integrity of the games because that's pretty much, you know, you're <laughs> right. If, if you lose that, you're going to lose fans quickly. And, and that, that, that is their job is to keep people interested in the sport. And, um, you know, the integrity of the competition is what kind of brings everybody to the sport. So, um, you know, first the Alabama headline, now the Iowa headline. People might be overreacting a little bit. What's your take? Are you a little nervous as a college football uh, media member and, and been involved with this sport for so long? Um, a little bit worried that gambling is going to taint the sport and, and we're going to see more of this. Well, I, it, there's so many levels to it, right? So I, I can answer these almost one by one. It's like the first one, when Jamison Williams and the Lions players – were suspended. That's an easy one for me that yes, they should be suspended. They're professional athletes. You like, this is, there's a, I think there's a generational gap with this one is like you hear I, I'm in my forties. So like a younger generation is like, well, that's not that big a deal. Well, 
uh, you didn't watch Pete Rose. <laughs> you didn't live through that one where, you know, arguably one of the best baseball players of all time was betting on his own team. Still can't do it. It's on the clubhouse wall. And I think NFL players, what the NFL is so swift to act is they don't want, they don't want the integrity of that game questioned. So they were right to suspend Jamison Williams and they were right to suspend Calvin Ridley. I don't care. Like that is the rules. You have to follow them. College is going to be a lot harder to legislate though. And I was talking with Ken Brew at 700 WLW last week about all these things after the Alabama baseball incident. Yes, he should be fired immediately. And then the third one with the student athletes is going to be the hardest one to legislate. Because like you said, I don't think it's to the point where these guys are going to shave points or throw games, but you know, college, college students do stupid things. I did stupid things in college. Everybody does. And it, 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 there's going to have to be a lot of betting education because you can say, well, as long as you know the rules, they can say, well, it's not, it's like the speed limit. Everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter. You got caught. Right. (laughs) So it's, that's going to be a tough one. I think particularly, I'm going to be interested to see how they handle the discipline and what they find in the Iowa and Iowa State thing. And I, like I said, you know, gambling came to Ohio on January 1st. I'd be lying if I said I haven't played with the apps and had some fun with it. But it's never, even as a sports writer, you start to question yourself. Is like, am I doing the right thing here? Should I be doing this? Um, but mostly I do it for, it's, it's not like a, it's kind of like just for fun. It's yeah. like playing that that's how I kind of treat it. I if I'm watching an NBA game for fun, I might throw a couple dollars on it. And that's perfect. It's not unethical. I think it becomes a little I talked to some beat writers about this. I think it would be unethical for me to bet on you can you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Like <laughs> if I'm betting on if I'm covering Michigan full time and I'm betting on all their games, that's a little that's close to me. I've always thought that, 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 that there's never been like attention on like a media scandal uh, involving gambling because you, in theory, have access to inside information. Right. If you get a scoop on an injury right. or a suspension and then you don't report it, but you put a hundred bucks on that game, you're operating on inside information. Right. right. And that's where it becomes a little bit of a gray area for sports writers. So I, I think for me, it's just, if you have fun with it and do it that way, it's not, it's not, it's not like I have a gambling problem, but I, you know, I like to see some, you know, have fun with it, but from the, but when it's also not illegal for me, you know, it's illegal for, if I was a college football player and I lived with college football players in college, um, they, I knew that that was, they knew that that was a rule then. Right. And that was before all this stuff. So when you lived, with guys in the mid-American conference, there was strict things with them. And this is in the nineties. So I, I have a hard time believing that the education isn't there, that the student athletes don't know that they're not supposed to be doing it. Yeah. I think it's tough when you see the hand, the gambling in, investigation headline, right. And you immediately think it's fixing games, right. Or point shaving or whatever. When, in, you know, in reality, this might be seriously like an Iowa state, sprinter betting on the nba playoffs and and that's against the rules they're not allowed to do that now should they be allowed to do that i would think so i don't think iowa state track and field athlete 
betting on NBA playoffs is any different than Bill Bender betting on the right. NBA playoffs. I agree. I agree. I, they maybe could relax those down the line, but I, I just wouldn't count on it because what if what if it's the one time they find the Iowa State track runner is the cousin of the small forward for the you know what I mean? Like but, that's, could be, but Bill Bender could be the cousin of the small right, forward of the 76ers right. too. Like I, I think, I would, yeah, I think you can, um, you can ban college athletes from betting on college sports because right. there's a lot of intermingling of the students, obviously. Right. So if you want to leave it at that, leave it at that. I mean, we'll find out. And maybe they were betting on college. Maybe they were using inside information to try and right. uh, set the lines and all that stuff. And it, it, the investigation is. But like you said, so the second you can't have college football players betting on college football oh, in any yeah. way, like they, you, you can't have that. And, and I'm think, uncomfortable if college footballs are betting are, are betting on college basketball games too. That's They're pretty just, close. Like, yeah, yeah. They all, so they all work out together and everything. Like, yeah, like I think that's something to watch. And you know, it's a it's yet another headache that Greg Sankey's dealt with at least in the last week and that you know the Big Ten commissioner and a Big 12 uh, Yorkman's going to be dealing with for the next week you know so uh your mark sorry I don't want to get that right wrong um yeah so I, I think this is something that's going to continue to evolve and I do know that one of the things it doesn't annoy me but it, it's just happened as a result of betting being legal in Ohio when you're talking to the lacrosse dads and the other dads, it's, it's less about who's winning the game and more about, Hey, what do you think on that parlay? You know? And, and I'm friends with a lot of these guys and I enjoy, like we, we talk back and forth about, Hey, I I did this and I did that. But you know, at at heart, I think as long as you're still rooting for your team first, that should be a bonus. And, And the guys I'm around are like that. They're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't worry too much about the integrity of the sport. Um, I think it's, it's more along the lines of just trying to keep kids from not gambling. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's just another vice that you got to watch. You don't want kids smoking weed. You don't want kids drinking alcohol. Like you don't want kids now they can gamble pretty easily too. So, um, just another headache, but as, as far as a top, you know, big picture college football follower, college football fan, college football media member, I'm not worried about the sport and its integrity and like a scandal developing because a, we've had a few scandals here and there over the, over, you know, in the past, people have been betting on football and college basketball games forever. Um, and we've had a scandal here or there. I don't think the online, the availability of online gambling increases or decreases the risk of another right. uh, game fixing uh, type situation. So anyway, all right, well, that'll wrap up episode one. Oh, uh, before we before we leave, I did want to correct one little correction. Alabama right. is eighty four and five, eighty four thousand ten at home, and we got this is a teaser for tomorrow's Turchy trivia. We got the three Heisman winners that beat them. We got yep. Chad Kelly, old Miss. The other one, how could I miss? This is such a JV move by me. Nine to six LSU in overtime. <laughs> in this number, this kind of number one versus number two game, and uh, you know. So only five times since 2010 has Alabama lost at home. So if Texas beats them, get ready for a bill. The overreactions are coming. Sorry to interrupt. 
the infamous nine to six game. That is great. Good stuff. So, okay. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Stay tuned. Episode two is next with the uh, breakdown of the Big Ten and SEC quarterback situations.